Good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's a dream. It seems to be now like a dream. I don't really believe the year has passed and, you know, and things which we were planning to do at this time last year never happened. And it's, um, you know, very difficult to realize everything so much not under our control, right? So, well, and so many bad things happened afterwards, which unfortunately reality, which doesn't seems to be pleasant to anyone and so many people died not only soldiers but just normal civilians people kids and everything so it's absolutely you know disastrous understanding and something what we have to live with now when you reflect on how you felt when you heard the news that russia had invaded your your home country um compared to how you feel about where the the war is at now i mean how have your feelings changed much as time has moved on? Maybe at the very early stages, it looked like Russia may be, it may be a successful campaign very quickly. It was evident that wasn't the case and Ukraine has made uh, has a, put up a resolute defence. Has your feeling changed much over that period? Yeah, I think feelings changed really dramatically. And to be honest, at the first days, it was absolute you know, I don't know, stress and unbelievable. And uh, uh, even, you know, um, like how we took this war or felt this war also changed very dramatically. And also our attitude to Russia, I think, changed dramatically. And let's say if like back in April, March last year, if Russia would just go on the borders uh, of um, 24th of February last year, probably this is something we would be fine with. But after what they did to my hometown and everything else, and after the time passed, and now for sure, uh, that's not an option at all. So Russia need to leave Ukraine fully. It, it needs to pay for everything what they did and all the you know criminals which are running the Russia. They should go to prison. So this is really how you know emotions and attitude to all this situation change in my case. Uh, and Tonika, despite you know a year passing, I mean, are, are things? any different politically? Has there been much of a change from where the situation was in February 24th last year in terms of that relationship, the dynamic between Ukraine and Russia? Well, good evening, Alan. Good evening, Maria. I say good evening because I'm, I'm talking to you from Taiwan uh, in the Far East, which itself is feeling the reverberations from Russia's invasion of Ukraine because, of course, they fear as a small democracy neighboring a, a large authoritarian dictatorship that they are also at risk uh, from invasion. Um, yes, a lot has changed uh, during the last year. I think our our perception collectively uh, of Ukraine and of Russia has been transformed. I mean, I think for many people, Ukraine was a somewhat distant country uh, for most Irish people, um, one that they would have had little familiarity with, would probably not have visited. And I think that there's a, there's a strong sense because of the events of the last year that Ukraine is no longer them. Ukraine is us. Um, you know, we are Ukraine and Ukraine's fate you know, the whole, you know, future of Europe hinges on what happens uh, in Ukraine. And Ukraine's success will be our success because European security and the, and the future of Europe really depends on it. And correspondingly, 
our perception of Russia has also been transformed. I mean, uh, you know, shamefully, after 2014, after the invasion began, because what we had in February last year was the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, but the invasion began nine years ago, there was an, a, a, a rather anemic response to, to the invasion. And, and much of Europe tried to have business as usual with Russia. And that was, of course, um, symbolized by the creation of this Nord Stream 2 pipeline, bringing gas uh, from Russia directly to, to Germany. And that's all changed. That pipeline will never be functional. There are, of course, no flights that now connect Russia uh, with Europe. Uh, there are a myriad of sanctions. And, of course, much of Europe is, is, is supporting Ukraine militarily. Um, and the only reason, of course, it's not it's not sending troops itself to Ukraine is, of course, because of the fear uh, that Russia, of course, emphasizes quite regularly of bringing this into some kind of nuclear conflict. But um, but certainly it's also punctured Russia's position or its self, self-professed position as a superpower. I mean, the fact that, you know, it hasn't been able to overwhelm Ukraine after one year, in fact, it's been pushed back in so many areas, has really undermine the image of Russia as some kind of global power. It's it's simply a regional well-armed bully, a gas station with tanks, uh, so to speak. And um, and the Ukrainians have shown that with, with courage and with determination, uh, such a bully can be pushed back. How do you think the Western powers have, have handled the war in general, Donica? Do you think more could have been done? You know, the, the, even himself, Vladimir Zelensky is constantly ramming home the point that they need more weapons uh, from, from Western powers. Well, look, the West could have done a, a lot, lot more, as I said, not only now, but, but going back to 2014. But since the war began... They've unfortunately adopted a kind of an incremental approach. I mean, at the beginning, you might remember, for example, Germany was sending just helmets uh, to to Ukraine. And the the mayor of Kiev, um, Klitschko, said that, you know, what were they going to be sending next? Pillows. I mean, what they needed were artillery, ammunition, air defense systems, because the Ukrainians have proved that when they are given those weapons, they can defend themselves. They're not looking, uh, you know, for armies to come and rescue them. They're simply looking for the means of defense. And it's, it's shameful, really, that we're one year into the conflict and people are just start talking about delivering tanks now. I mean, tanks are a fundamental part of this warfare to repel any invasion. I mean, this is not about Ukraine invading Russia. It's about pushing Russian troops out, out, of, out of Ukraine. So, no, I mean, Europe, Europe's response has been, I mean, it's been heartwarming to see the collective response rhetorically, but I think militarily Europe has been slow to act. And of course, that's partly because Europe is is a collection of 27 democracies, the European Union and NATO, of course, is also made up of uh, democracy. So it tends to act slowly. And indeed, that was Vladimir Putin's gamble. He thought that uh, the West would be divided, it would be weak, it would be slow, and and that he would overwhelm Ukraine quickly. And because Ukrainians have defended their country so successfully for so long, um, now that question is coming back to us about how much more we can help Ukraine uh, to, 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 to have a successful counteroffensive to push Russians out. Um, lots to talk about. I mean, we've seen Vladimir Putin's State of the Union address where, unsurprisingly, he was pointing the finger of blame at the West for the war. Um, then we've seen US President Joe Biden uh, making a surprise visit to Ukraine and then his speech in Poland this week. What did you make of what, uh, I suppose, uh, b- b- both sides had to say uh, about things? Yeah, so basically, uh, for visit of Biden, I think this is a really great thing which happened. It really supported all Ukrainians. And like, it's really good sign and, you know, that we will get help. And we got help already, but that we will continue to get help to finally defeat the Russia. So that's really, I mean... (laughs) 
good thing, pleasant thing for us. And yeah, we're kind of proud of this visit at this time. So that really Biden, not like Putin, yeah, who is sitting somewhere underground, uh, but well, just in the war zone. Yeah. And uh, regarding the Putin speech, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I kind of... How to say it? You probably weren't very surprised by what he had to say. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really listen because I don't think he really said anything important or whatever. I mean, what can you expect from that person? I mean, of course, he will be blaming everybody. He will not say ever that this is his fault, his, his mistake or whatever. It's not a person like that. He will, you know, again, uh, invent, uh, uh, you know, mosquitoes, uh, dangerous mosquitoes or whatever to blame that never uh, give realistic uh, picture. Maybe he himself does really he believes in those mosquitoes and NATO invading Russia and etc. Maybe he himself believes but um, I mean I I would not even try to look for some logic in what, his, uh, what he was speaking. Moreover I think he was speaking to his people like uh, he really was playing uh, to make sure that Russians I don't know what they have in their heads but so they will be calmly going uh, to front uh, to the uh, to the battles and they will die for him so he was probably his main purpose of all these speeches is to make sure his people is fighting for mm. him nothing else if we look at the, the, the situation closer to home here h- how do you feel ireland as a country has responded to uh, what ukrainian people have had to deal with their plight into the refugees who've who've had to flee here and have you connected or, or spoken with, with with any of the refugees who, who've come to, to, to Ireland in, in the past year since war broke out? Yeah, yeah. I, I spoke to many people, so I'm in contact of many people who are living here in Ennis and the hotels. Some people actually found the um, accommodation or either rented that one or uh, they are um, living in the houses with Irish people. So I spoke to many people and like overall, of course, it's challenging situation and it was not easy for Ireland, but I think still it was great help which was provided. Um, I think um, I, I would just compliment Ireland and thank Ireland for all support which was given to Ukrainian people. Yes, there are big challenges with accommodation. That's true. Mm. But it's <laughs> challenges not only for Ukrainians, it's challenges for Irish people as well. It was four years already, right? So unfortunately, it's not enough accommodation uh, uh, even for, you know, people who are living and working in Ireland, right? So uh, that's a challenge. But anyway, I think all issues, all you know, like critical situations were still solved with some Okay, maybe it took some time, but still, I mean, people to, uh, got the shelter, people uh, got help. So, and I mean, I think some people already got, you know, emotionally better within yeah. this year, this year, so stronger at least, right? So, definitely, I would like to thank Ireland. Ireland did great job to all people from Ukraine who hopefully uh, over here. How would you rate our response to the, the crisis, Donica? 
Ireland's response, uh, I, I think it's been very, very good. I mean, I think it, it we weren't expecting this, of course. So, you know, as, as Maria said, there was already a crisis in, in housing and accommodation and the government had to, to find places for 70,000 people, you know, very quickly. So in that sense, I think, and, and of course, it's, it's not just like the institutional response. I think, as Maria was highlighting as well, there's a personal response. And I think Irish people have stepped up to the plate uh, in that. Um, but of course, it's, it's worth pointing out that this is, this is a European-wide response. I mean, Poland has taken in millions uh, of, of, of Ukrainians. Moldovans, Moldova is the poorest country in Europe, has taken in hundreds of thousands. Um, so this, this, this has been a very strong response from throughout Europe. Maria, we're a year in, um, looking ahead. How hopeful are you that there's going to be a, a resolution? Do you think there will be, will be one and will, will there be one this year or is this the kind of war where both sides are fairly entrenched and you can see it con- continuing for a long, long time unless there's a big change, maybe, you know, more weapons from the West to Ukraine or if China were to row in behind Russia? Yeah, I think more weapons, the earlier it will happen, right? So this is kind of analytical part of my thinking, right? Another thinking is more hopeful. Um, I really think that for the, for the last year, many things happened which were very positive. And like, I hope, and that's probably given me to th- given me the reason to think that it will finish this year, right? And again, the more weapons we Ukrainians will get, the sooner it will happen. Okay, what 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 about you, Donica? Do you think there's potential for it to 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 end this year? I mean, what trajectory do you think the war could take? As I say, both sides fairly entrenched. Uh, could it possibly be a Vietnam-style war where it rumbles on for a decade or so? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, like Maria, I have a feeling that this war will conclude earlier rather than than, than later, if only because the, the the momentum is is so so strong that it's it's not sustainable in the longer term. I mean, it's estimated the British Ministry of Defence has estimated that up to two hundred thousand Russians have been either killed or injured. Um, you know, we don't know exactly how many Ukrainians have been killed. Um, the the Ukrainian government is rather coy in releasing those kinds of statistics, but you can imagine that it's also a very large number. You know, you you talked about Vietnam. I mean, the Americans lost fifty eight thousand in the ten years fighting in Vietnam. So the Russians have lost multiples of that in one year. So you know, this is why Russia is reaching out to countries like Iran and North Korea. It has already a demographic crisis. It's already it's it's actually emptying the prisons uh, to force people into fighting this war. Hundreds of thousands have left uh, Russia during the last year because they refused to fight. Because at the end of the day, despite you know Putin's meandering speeches, this isn't a war. Uh, that Russians uh, have their heart in. I mean, this is an imperialist war. They are fighting in another country, whereas Ukrainians are fighting for their homes, their families, their communities and their futures. And that's a very different motivation. So I I completely agree with Maria. I mean, the war ends more quickly the sooner Ukrainians are given the means uh, to defend themselves. Because as I said before, once they've been given those means, they've proven that they they can act very decisively uh, and, and very effectively. Okay, we do have to leave it there, but uh, I'm sure we all hope that the war ends uh, sooner rather than later, hopefully this year. My thanks to uh, Donna back on there, uh, Associate Professor of Politics at the School of Law and Government in DCU, for taking the time to join us live from Taiwan, and uh, to Marina Kishinova, the Ukrainian native uh, who's resident here in Ennis. Maria, thanks uh, once again Thank for joining much, us yeah. in and studio. Rest in peace, everybody who... Uh, died for this war. We are going to continue our coverage of the one year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. 
by concentrating on the refugee crisis which unfolded in its aftermath as well as its impact locally. With us to do just that are Jason Murphy. Jason is the Acting Director of Services for Ukrainian Services Development with the local authority and he joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Jason. Good morning, Alan. Thanks very much for having me. No, thanks for taking the time to join us in studio. We're also joined uh, by Orla Ailey, a coordinator of the Clare Immigrant Support Centre. Good morning to you, Orla. Good morning. Morning, Jason. And thanks for taking the time to join us. And Jason, I'll begin with yourself. What has Clare County Council done to this point to address the accommodation shortage for refugees in the county? Um, well, I think in the in the first instance, it would be uh, it would be remiss of me to come on and, and not recognise the twelve months of of pain, really, that the Ukrainian community uh, and the Ukrainian people have. Uh, have gone through over the last year and, and uh, I think the response from Europe in terms of solidarity and the commitment to peace um, as a large community is, is, is notable and more to the point the response by the people of Clare and the agencies um, has, is, is, is worthy of note. Um, the resilience and the steadfastness of the community is of note. The accommodation challenge um, is, is ongoing. This crisis uh, unfolded quickly last March uh, county Clare was one of the first responders in the county in the in the country in terms of accommodation provision, uh, and as we're well aware, much of that accommodation is uh, is between uh, uh, the, Sh- the Shannon Ennis and up into the into the, the west side of, of County Clare. Yeah. Um, that accommodation is is holding; it's still being provided. Uh, we recognise that we're a year in now, and we need to be looking to see the move on solutions that are in place for us. Yeah, so um, much more is needed. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's not, and it, we can't take from the fact that we have our own housing challenge uh, uh, in the first instance. Um, so we have a housing uh, a program in place for that for that uh, uh, local need. Uh, we're engaging from a local authority perspective with um, uh, the hoteliers, looking at short uh, to midterm uh, solutions, um, and engaging with. And when I say short to midterm, uh, in reality, we're looking at um, uh, further rest centre, multi multi occupancy accommodation solutions that are available to us in the in the in the county. I'm sure with the um, hoteliers it's more difficult now because a lot of them will be wanting to you know with with the summer summer 23 mm-hmm. coming will perhaps want to focus more on the, the tourist market. Yeah, and that's and that's a reality for us and we have been engaging with the, with the hoteliers to get a, a, a proper sense on that. And I, I you know, I can't speak for the hoteliers in this in this regard. All I can say is that we have been engaging with them. We have a sense of where there are some gaps coming in terms of the accommodation provision. We have provisionally lined up uh, alternative solutions. We've communicated those solutions to the Department of Children who have uh, a lead role in that overall uh, communication uh, offering or uh, uh, property offering um, uh, and so we have identified gaps and we have identified potential solutions and our real challenge here is to join the dots we're working locally with the hoteliers and accommodation providers and we're trying to make sure that that information is going in a coherent uh, consolidated fashion to the Department of Children. Just before I go to Orla what, what mm. do you, you know for, for this year what realistically do you think the, the council can achieve in terms of its response uh, to the accommodation crisis? You've mentioned a few things there mm. but how much of that do you think you'll realistically be able to pull off and, and have in place this year? Uh, based on the conversations I've had with hoteliers uh, and based on the opportunities that I've identified across our accommodation network in the county, I think we can meet the needs of our current uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, beneficiaries, the people currently residing with us. And I think it's very important that we try to, you know, we've got 
families and children and uh, mums and dads and grandparents connecting into our communities now. I think it would be remiss of us not to recognise that they're integrating. Um, I think it's important from our school and our bus networks uh, and services that they stay uh, with the services that have been bolted in around them. Um, and as such, I'd, I'd be fairly confident that we can hold, we have approximately 4,000 Ukrainian beneficiaries in the county. I'd be confident that we can meet the accommodation needs locally uh, with the provision that we've made to date. But of course, that's the proviso that, that, that there aren't further arrivals, which I'm sure there will be. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and we continue, we continue to identify um, those opportunities of accommodation uh, okay. through that network. So, yeah, I mean, this is a fluid situation. We recognise that it's ever changing and we have to keep responding and adapting. OK. Uh, or, Orla, how, how would you rate Ireland's response to the refugee crisis over the past year? And are you disappointed uh, that there doesn't appear to be any long-term planning with regard to accommodating Ukrainian refugees? Disappointed is is a word for it. It's it for everybody's sake. It needs to be in place. I mean, I think people, the departments responded, uh, reacted like we were all reacting uh, to what was unfolding, and now is the time to have a response rather than a reacting to just getting people where they could. People have done very well and all of that. And I'm delighted to hear Jason feel that confident about being able to accommodate the people locally if they're needed to be changed a bit, etc. That's really great. I think that what we see with how people are feeling at the moment is that, that there needs to be a clear communication to the communities on the ground that that is the case, that there is a plan to uh, address their accommodation needs if needs be, because the hospitality sectors will no longer be open to a lot of the people in Clare. That really needs to be communicated. There's been two great two things really um, making people very feel very uneasy was which was what was going to happen after the year, and the year is essentially over, will there be an extension on the temporary residence uh, permission for them to be here under that uh, directive that was enacted last year? And yes, there is an extension on that until the 4th of March 2024. So that has steadied people down. People are coming in in a heap. And the other thing that people are in a heap about naturally is around accommodation. And um, it's very important that that be communicated uh, to people, that it's in order, people are trying to take it in hand and to know that there are steps that can be followed. We know some hotels that are no longer going to be housing people, that the, the, the community there know they're not going to be out on the street. I mean, we're sort of saying to people, now don't be worrying, you won't be sleeping on the street, but... There's 200 people sleeping on the street in Dublin, um, international protection applicants. I'm sure that won't happen. We won't let that happen. But it is still a legitimate fear. So I would think that both the government communicating the plan and having the plan um, in place, I mean, we, we can still deal with medium term and then look at long term. And, and Jason and his colleagues have been looking to do that handsomely and it's we need to be reassuring people that that is in hand okay. uh, so that the, the, the moving of people is sort of planned proactive 
um, and it can be contained the level of anxiety around it. I mean, each local authority, uh, uh, Claire, uh, under the stewardship of Jason, has stepped forward to really try and be ahead of some of all of this. But there needs to be, from government, there needs to be a devolving of more capacity or more um, role in that, like a delegated role. Can, can, can I just briefly ask you, Orla, before I go back to Jason, you mentioned the government. Would you like to see more money coming from them to support organisations, community organisations such as yourselves that are, are, are helping refugees and doing your best to help them? Well, yes, because getting more money just means you can have more personnel on the ground. I mean, you know, what people, what any of us need when we go somewhere, of course, is shelter and food. But you need support to understand the landscape you're in. If you come, like the Ukrainians have come from different language and culture base, you need support in interpreting things so that you can, I don't mean even language-wise, just that you can understand the path to certain steps you would take to get a, re- a good result on things here would be different than in the Ukraine. Yeah. Whether it be rules around children or getting the best out of the school system or getting yourself prepped for work. or Like 83% of the people we know that are working around the country are not working in their actual given field and that is probably because they don't have enough English or they may not have taken the right steps. So so organisations are just helping people to know the steps and work them through the steps and it's an integral part of receiving people into any county uh, okay. is that, they, that is there. Mm. Okay, and yeah, for further funding would, would help with all that. Jason, the, the council uh, issued a new appeal to people across Clare to consider offering properties as temporary homes to those who were fleeing the war. That was back last November. C- can you give us a sense of what the response has been like? I mean, have any refugees been housed off off the back of those offers yet? Yeah, yeah Alan, we, um, we we ran with the Offer a Home initiative uh, uh, put out through the Department of Housing and local government. Uh, there were 76 um, uh, unoccupied homes offered uh, to us. Um, I'm glad to say that we have 70 of those assessed at this stage. They're, they're coming in, I suppose, every week in terms of offers. Uh, there are over 100 people accommodated at this point uh, in County Clare in, in, in those unoccupied uh, properties, which is um, uh, close on 30 matched um, uh, uh, ho- uh, houses between the, the Ukrainians and, the, and, and those homes offered. Uh, we'd like to renew that call in terms of Offer a Home, uh, www.offerahome.ie. Uh, we have a relationship management team in place in the council. We can engage with uh, 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 property owners um, and the Ukrainian uh, community who we've reached out to through the CLDC and, uh, and their Telegram uh, webpage or uh, uh, web app. Um, so we've had success with Offer a Home. We'd like to continue to build on that success. We recognise that uh, some people will offer a property for six to eight months uh, and the challenge for us is to continue um, to, to renew um, the, the, the offerings that are there. But we would certainly ask again and we will be renewing that call in the, in the coming week um, uh, on Offer a Home. Okay, and uh, hopefully you do get uh, plenty of offers. Uh, can mm. I could just ask you about the anti-refugee commentary that you know really has emerged as capacity issues came to the fore uh, in the county and and indeed across the country. We've seen some commentary in the national discourse has been very hateful or negative. We've seen a lot of protests um, either 
organised by far-right elements or else I would, I would say genu- protests with genuine concerns over mm. resources maybe hijacked by far-right elements. What have you made of all of that? I, I think on the one hand there's, uh, there's, there's no place in our community nationally or locally for, uh, for far-right activism. Um, uh, that said, I ac- accept and appreciate that people have concerns. Uh, that's partially to do with information um, and the provision of information. Um, I think uh, we, we to date, in terms of the Ukrainian piece, we've, we've altered our community response forum uh, to hold meetings at local levels uh, across the county in Shannon, Kilrush, uh, Ennis here in Manoy, Gaira, uh, and up in Liston Varna with a view to uh, 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 trying to communicate and offer as much infor- information and insight. We make ourselves available all the time to provide that insight. It is understandable that people have concerns um, uh, and I think the challenge for us and, and government is to make sure that uh, when solutions are being put in place um, that we provide as much uh, uh, information in advance. Uh, we certainly recognise that need. It's recognised through the Community Response Forum uh, and we continue to work to try and address that. Okay. Uh, Orla, what do you think or what would you like to see coming from the state? What else do you feel they need to do to try and uh, properly cater for the needs of Ukrainian refugees? Mm-hmm. Well, just a little bit on, on, on what Jason was saying there. I, mean, I think the reason that there is such a glaring need for a, a response uh, and lots of services to come back into places that there was an absence of development, enough development in the county for numbers of years and a lot of things that can be now laid at the, 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 the feet of the fact that there's so many Ukrainians coming were a problem before last February. There was an absence of sufficient dentists. There was an absence of other things, even, even around doctors or around other services. So we need to, that needs to be acknowledged and just stepped up to and let the development, a piece of research we did recently on um for an anti-poverty strategy for the county had a good historical look, a recent history look at development in the county out into Cross, out uh, around the county to see was the, the sort of the structure in being put in place for communities to live safely and with their needs being met all around the county. And I'm hoping that those needs will those things will be addressed that should have been addressed whether there were Ukrainians here or not that they will be addressed there's development into infrastructure that needs to be done around the place the other thing around the accommodation is that the um, what could you say the refurbishment of properties around the county as well will hopefully revitalize the county you know that there are places that people can live and bring life back into the county which would be very nice to villages and town that have been cleared of young people of people in in the last couple of years or in the last 20 years that's a wonderful thing that we could hope will be a positive spin-off of this the accommodation housing issues as we know have been there for years and you know as my friend said the only thing to do is to have more accommodation which is a daft but it's that simple and that complex and all of the options for accommodating people have to be looked at with 
the support services. Now, the HSE and others trying to get more doctors into places have to really step that up. And if they cannot get a doctor in, then they do like they were doing in Listoon. They have a pop-up clinic. It's not that casual. It's a regular clinic. But that they are things, they are response to people's needs that are generated by more people coming into an area that can and should be met. And anybody calling for those responses need to be doing it at the door of the government, at the door of their TDs, at the door of the council, rather than anywhere else. There are needs that need to be met and we're all calling for extra services. And we can do it, we can do it. Uh, And in terms of extra services that need to be met, and just to finish with you, Jason, is it, if I was to ask you what the biggest challenge as we uh, move forward in terms of helping the refugees, is it as simple as saying accommodation, 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 or are there other big issues that we need to be mindful of? Uh, I, I, I acknowledge that accommodation is is uh, is a core issue, um, but it's not as simple as, as you quite rightly point out. We need to continue to resource and consolidate our service provision. Uh, and Orla has mentioned GP services, but we need uh, bus services, schools uh, to be fully supported. Um, uh, childcare provision needs to be supported. And those integration supports um, uh, around employment, uh, English language, the ETB are doing fantastic work there with um, 418 courses ran last year with 2,300 learners uh, coming through. Uh, they need to be continued to be supported and, and, and funded. We need to, to build in on that integration piece um, so that our our communities remain sustainable. Um, uh, and when I say that, I acknowledge that we have uh, a broad new community and it isn't just Ukrainian, it's, it's very broad as Orla has mentioned. Uh, we'd like to have that flavour inside our existing culture. Um, and I think we should embrace that, uh, but have a sustained uh, version of that. And, and that means this isn't just about um, supporting Ukrainian, the Ukrainian community, but it is about supporting our own communities. And, uh, you know, I was delighted to see the 50 million euro recognition fund um, uh, being announced in the county there in the last couple of weeks and County Clare received 2.9 million of that. Uh, there have been uh, 240 uh, plus applications in the last couple of weeks from community groups yeah. um, uh, and, and, and sporting agencies and agencies themselves. And we'd like to see those kind of supports been coming in and being used effectively uh, for, the, for the benefit of the whole community.